0: hello hello everyone you are listening to the success palette a place to discuss how creatives can succeed in every aspect of our lives i'm soda and today we are going to talk a little bit about how to become creatively unstuck so if anyone has ever felt that they can't get paint on that empty canvas or start that story or anything like that. This this episode is for you. And we have an amazing guest with us today, Tess, who is not only a painter but is also a writer, a musician, and, of course, a mother. So, Tess, I know that your main thing right now is writing. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your books that you have out and where we might be able to find them before we get into our topic?
1: Sure, that would be awesome. I write fantasy, fantasy romance, and dystopian novels. I write... um, digitally you can find me uh anywhere you can buy stuff uh, for your kindle if you're a kindle reader and um kindle vella i also write on so my episodes come out one episode at a time and i also have so i brought some with me i have my paperbacks too so this is awesome. some, beautiful the first dryad one mm-hmm. of my romances and then here is uh one of my dystopian ones this is Slitthroat saga so and I have a lot to choose from, and that's my main uh, source of income right now is writing my novels. So they're they're action packed, they're fast. Even my um, fantasy romance, you're gonna get a lot of like epic drama and action and all that stuff in there. So if you're uh, looking for something really mild and cozy, probably not not this not this girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely need to check those out because that is right up my alley of the kind of fiction I like to read. And I know that a while ago you had a hard time just writing anything. You were really feeling trapped, really feeling stuck. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that was
1: like for you? Yeah, I can tell you that story. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start at the beginning of the writing journey, which, uh, Maybe some of this might be new for you too. So I'll start at the beginning of that. Let's go to high school where I was definitely going to be a science person. Like that's what Mm -hmm. I was always told I was going to study and do science. And um, writing was not something that I thought you could do for a job. It was never presented to me like that. Um, So I was going to be a physicist or a chemist. And of course I had that one teacher who was like, you're a really good writer. But I didn't think. I could do that. Um, I tried, I wrote my first ever, ever manuscript the summer after I graduated high school with like my little sister on my lap. And I wrote it out. It was terrible. But and that was my first try. And I didn't think I was going to become an author. I just wanted to know I could do it. So it was in my heart. I just didn't think career-wise do that. And I went to school with a full chemistry degree uh, at UC, well, the full chemistry scholarship, sorry, not a degree. <laughs> I went with a scholarship to do chemistry at UCF and uh, didn't make it through orientation before. I, I just looked at the classes and I was like, what am I doing? I don't want to be a chemist. I want to, I don't know what I want to do, but it's not that. Um, so my parents freaked out because all of a sudden I had no plan and I did philosophy for years and then switched last minute to English. And that's when I knew I was going to write for a job. Um, After my first ever creative writing class, I sat down and I told my then boyfriend, Nate, I think I found like my love. And I was so confused. I was like, what am I going to do? I was going to be in academia and like be a philosophy professor or something. And he was like, well, if you love it, just do that. And he made it seem so simple. He's like that. He's like, if you love it, just do just write books. (laughs) So I was going to do that. And um, I got to work. It took me a couple years, finished my first couple manuscripts, put them on Wattpad just to see if they were going to go somewhere. And people liked them. So I pulled them off and I, I indie published them. And they went well. I wish I knew then what I know now, which was I was doing pretty darn well for starting out. Um, especially, we didn't have any money for promoting or anything. And right around when things were starting to take off with my first Dragon Shifter series, Core, um, just everything went wrong. We had babies. This was like, gosh, I published that book maybe a couple months before my first son was born. And he had all kinds of issues and allergies and eczema and they didn't sleep through the night. And then we took some jobs as well. Um, jobs doing good things, but that we weren't allowed to do pursue our own business, both my husband and I, while we were taking these jobs. Um, so all of that stress, everything piled together, I couldn't write anymore. It's like I could sit down and I could write a book, I could just flow. And then all of a sudden. Boom, it was done. It was just, it's like it turned off the tap. And for the first time, I couldn't do something I'd been good at my whole life. Um, and it was just gone. There's no other way to s- explain that. But I couldn't do it anymore. And, and Nate would tell me, just, just what's, what's wrong? with you? Just sit down and write it. Just do it. Just write it. And I was like, nothing's happening. Um, so that's what happened with the, the tap turning off. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I prayed, so I don't know if you're listening and maybe you're not religious, but I did, for me, I prayed and I was like, God, well, what's wrong with me? Am I broken? And God was like, do art. I was like, I was doing art. Um, Cause I had been singing and I had been um, writing and the singing also was part of the job I was doing was music and singing and we had to quit. Uh, Because it it just wasn't healthy what we were doing. Um, So everything was gone. And he told me to do art. And I was like, but I was. What do you mean? So that is when I went into the garage where my friend had left from like a year ago in Florida. So some old paint, like some Dollar Tree paint in the hot garage. It was all like gooey and terrible because it's so hot. And some like just canvas boards, you know, that are like a dollar a piece and she left them there from when she was doing art and I never I didn't think I was able to do it so I took it out and I started painting and my first goal was let me just make something I don't hate and as I started with the brush I was like "Ooh, this is kind of this feels nice (laughs) um because writing is so uh up here you know it's very abstract art and painting is so tactile uh I, especially with ADHD, I, I didn't know how much I liked touching my art. So once I got to touch it, that changed like a part of my brain kind of. And then, I, um, and then I thought, well, maybe I could paint something that I would be happy to put on my wall. I did. And then I said, okay, well, maybe my next painting, maybe someone else would wanna put it on their wall. I had no idea what I was doing. And of course my parents came over Gotta love your parents, and they were like, "You did this? Can we have it?" And I was like, "You want to put my painting? Okay." Um, so check that box. Someone wanted it. My next one, I said maybe because I was out of paint. You know, that gooey paint wasn't cutting it. I said well, maybe I could buy some paint, and we weren't working at the time either, so I couldn't just go out and buy paint. I thought, "Oh, well, maybe I can make one more, and I can sell it. And maybe if I put it on Facebook and ask for ten bucks." Someone will give me ten bucks for it, and I can buy paint. And I did that, and people commented. I said ten bucks are best offer, and someone was like, "Don't short, sale, like don't short sell yourself, short sell, short change, whatever that word is." I promise, I'm an author. Um, <laughs> and they gave me thirty. And then in that same, from that post, my cousin, who's an amazing charcoal artist in Nashville. I didn't I didn't know she was gonna do this, but she just mailed me a box. She like tapped all her art artist friends and they mailed me this big bin of supplies. Paint brushes and palette knives and paint. And I that's when it started. So I paint and I sold it. And I paint and I sold it. And I did that for a couple years. I sang. Um and I still thought I couldn't write. So I'll pause there because I talked a lot. <laughs> if you have any questions for me or anything, and then no, we. Oh, can... I
0: uh, I love your story because I mentioned to you before that I had the opposite where I couldn't draw. I'd been drawing my whole life, and I just couldn't. And then I got into writing, and then AI art, and a couple of other things, and that really helped spark, re-spark my love for drawing. So I I just love how the different mediums can really help, you know, spark each other, you know? Yeah. Creativity is cool like that. Yeah. And it's interesting how you could kind of add creativity to anything, really. I know right now you were able to kind of get back into writing after feeling that confidence and success with art. How has it been for you to kind of transition from one focus to another when it comes to the way you express yourself?
1: Yeah, Um. so I painted full-time for a while, sang some as well, um, mostly live, so I don't have a lot of recordings, but <laughs> um, painted and sold those even uh, during COVID, moved acro- back across the country and, kept doing those. Um, Oh, this is a fun fact. I, during COVID, broke my dominant hand. I like broke my wrist. I slipped. It's not a very fun story. I slipped down one stair and like braced myself and yeah. Um, So I just learned to paint with my left hand, with my other hand so I could still do my commissions. So I have my favorite, like I'll go through my pictures of my paintings, you know, on my website and see, and I'll remember like, I did that one with my left. That was my first left hand painting or like, and um, my clients didn't really know, but I know that I figured out how to be ambidextrous there for a minute. So I did that and I, I did what I could with writing. Like I put out a bunch of poetry, a lot of poetry cause they were short and quick. And I, you know, tried to do that, um, but it's not the same as writing a novel, not the same as writing long form. And it was 2021, I think, and I was hanging out Christmas Eve and my husband's grandpa tapped me on the shoulder and he was like, Tess, you need to try this Kindle, Vella, like writing an episode at a time. And I was like, well, Papa, I don't really write anymore. And he was like, this is perfect for you. You need to do it and the cool thing about writing one episode at a time what happened i researched it i sat down two weeks later i started i didn't know what i was doing i just went for it but i was able to release Decent episode at a time, and get that dopamine hit, get that encouragement, even though it was just Nate's Nana reading them at first. But she would say, "Good job, baby!" Like on Facebook, and I was like, "Thanks, Nana." Those pop up in my memory still, and they're some of my favorite memories of just that one person, you know, who you may have who's will tell you you're great. Hold on to that to that one person. So I started writing just one episode at a time, and a few months in, it people started picking it up and reading it. And I realized, gosh, I think my second month in, I was like, I can do this. And I went from like, before I would write something and like, I literally have the story of I threw it in the garbage and like rolled it down the driveway and was like, let the trash come, the the garbage truck come and pick it up. And Nate had to bring it back inside for me. Um, those stories of i I just didn't I just didn't have the confidence and I didn't have the chemical arrangement that I needed to be able to be successful and to motivate myself intrinsically. So I started developing that, writing one episode at a time. And two months in was when I made my first like, this is like a job kind of level payment that I've just received. Maybe I could do this. So I started, I still painted and I was doing, um, I was just starting digital art at the time. So I had this big digital art order. Someone wanted to design like a pack of game cards, you know, like Pokemon or Digimon, but not that. They were doing their own. So they had commissioned me and I said, yes, And I didn't know how to do digital art at all. I had never tried it. (laughs) And I said, yes. So I had to do like, oh gosh, what is it? I think it was over a hundred digital pieces at the same time. Thank God he hired me, right? People are so interested. He's, thank you, Hunter. Um, But yeah, he, and he's super encouraging. One of my best clients I've ever had, but I was doing that at the same time I was writing. So I had to finish that up and it just started flowing. And I would say, and now I'm (laughs) full-time, so a few months into it, I was able to transition to being a full-time writer, um, which I'd never been able to accomplish before, and just a few months ago, I hit the same level where I was when I quit, if that makes sense, so I quit, and all my sales are like, and then I had to like, like work to get it back up. And finally, I just, uh, you know, I I can see it that like, all right, I made up for it. I have the readership. I have people with me, and that's that's the coolest part, is building a community around the work now. So, if I could say, one of the biggest differences between writing alone and throwing my manuscript in the garbage. And I think we talked about this a little bit uh, last time you and I chatted too, that it's so hard to find a community when you're a writer um, and when you're an artist, especially when you're an artist, you can, (laughs) it's difficult, but creating a community is part of uh, the calling for me. So I find just as much joy in doing my art as I do with pulling other artists together. And working with my readers and um, seeing what they're doing and what's inspiring them in their lives. So, and that will make it much easier when you have wobbles, then you have people around you, so you don't just fall over. You know, they're holding you up. Yeah, and the thing is that if you really, really put
0: yourself out there and really search, you could find so many nice communities, like painters who have disabilities and our parents and struggling with this thing and you could find like a small community for that or make your own little community because there are people like you you know so i love that about the internet and social media while we're on the subject i would love to shout out a community that has changed my life called women into networking Now this nonprofit organization is perfect for anyone who wants to turn their passion into profit, especially those who are in marginalized groups or want to support marginalized groups in their business. Find out more at wincommunity.com slash become a WIN member. Now back to our interview with Tess. You were talking about how with Kindle Vella, it made it very easy for you to do these bite-size projects. A lot of us with ADHD or on the autism spectrum, we tend to either jump right in and then overwhelm ourselves because we get really, really obsessed and have these huge expectations. I mean, anyone really, but especially those of us who are neurodivergent. Um, and then we burn out and then we lose hope. And I didn't know if you yep. had any... Um, any advice or input for those of us who do have this habit of just kind of instead easing our way into a big project or a new hobby and having realistic goals and bite-sized chunks, whether it's, again, with art or music or writing, whatever.
1: Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, that is, it is true. And especially for something very long form. Like if you're a very detailed painter and it takes a long time, or you're trying to create a whole album, if you are a musician, um, or anytime you're trying to write a novel, that's going to take you time. And you're usually, uh, well, might, you might run out of what you need to get you there. You might run out of the dopamine. You might run out of interest. So, So here's, let me give you a couple. For me, Uh, and I didn't come up with this, (laughs) but it works. Um, There's three things I have to make sure that I have for any project or else I will quit it, guaranteed. And I know this about myself and I've learned and I have to hack my own brain and I have to work with myself and be honest with myself. The three things are um, interest, skill, and challenge or risk. So if any of those are missing, I will Um, and sometimes of course (laughs) change careers. (laughs) So it's not just like, I'll write a different book. You know, if it's too bad, you gotta be careful. I have to be careful. I'm like, not going to wake up tomorrow. I want to be a chef or something. Um, I guess one thing at a time later I can be a chef, but yes. So interest and, um, skill and challenge, it has to be super interesting, not just a little interesting. I have to want to put my face in it and, have it, you know? So it has to be very interesting to me. If the book is boring, if I think writing is boring, if it feels boring at all, that's going to dopamine drain for me and I'm not going to want to do it. Then the other one is um, skill. So unless you challenge first, it has to be difficult. If it's too easy and I set it up to be too easy, I will bore. If I think that's easy. I won't do it. I'll put it at the back of my list. But if I challenge myself, then I will push to get it. And then I, my reward system kicks in, my own reward system intrinsically. So if I think it's challenging to me, I want to do it. Um, and then I start building in the habit of my own dopamine rewards. And uh, the last is skill. It can't be so challenging that I don't have the skill to do it. It has to be right at that level where I have the skill I could accomplish it. And then as my skill develops, I have to increase that challenge. You can't keep the challenge level the same if your skill increases. And it will if you keep practicing whatever art you're doing. So when I look, look at whatever project I'm about to tackle or if I start getting bored or if I feel like I'm bur- you know, burning out on it, one of those three things is wrong. Either I'm not interested, which then the question is, what can I do to become interested in this? So if I'm writing and I'm like, "Whoa, this is getting boring. I wish I was painting or I wish, you know, I just wish I was maybe I should watch Netflix. Um, I'll change up the story. I'll do something like just I'll do something to it. Uh, my poor readers are like, what's happening? Tess got a little bored. So can't, can't get bored. I'll make it interesting for myself. Right. I'll take on a project that I don't know how to do because that's interesting to me to challenge myself to do it. And there comes the challenge. I have to have high enough stakes in that project in order to push myself. So if I know I can write a thousand words in 60 minutes, then I will set my timer to 45 and I'll gamify it and I'll make it faster. I'll make it easier, you know, not harder. I'll make it harder for myself. Um, And once I can do it at 45 and that's been easy and I've done it a few times, I'll put it at 30 until, so some way to gamify it for me usually works. Um, I'll tap on a friend and be like, let's race and we'll sprint together. Or I'll, if I'm painting or sketching, I'll pick something more challenging and switch it up or I'll, you know, add wings. I don't know, something I don't know how to do. And um, yeah, then I develop the skill. So you got to be right at that. Like I have to stretch my skill a little bit if i'm too proficient at it then like i said i'm not going to want to do it it has to be just that little bit of riskiness you know can i can i do it so i'll set my goals for that as well i set my goals knowing myself and that's going to be different for me for you if you're a more low risk person you might not need to set your uh, goals the same way i set mine but I'm a high-risk person, so I know I need to set mine risky. I have to say, all right, Tess is make, writing 10 books in 2023, you know? And <laughs> and I I need that, like, I don't know if I can do that. So I'm going to do that. I need that. But you got to set it for what's right for you. Maybe it's one book in three years, or maybe it's, you know, the size of your canvas. Maybe that might be intimidating for you. Then that's probably a little indication that you should give it a try and see what you can do. Oh my gosh, I love those ideas. I've never really heard it explained like
0: that before. So I'm going to have to, again, re-listen to this. It's a good thing I'll be re-listening to mm-hmm. this when editing and everything, because this is just like so much applies to me. So I know that introducing motherhood in your life and other, you know, breaking your hand, things like that, when you can't have your priorities the same as they used to be whatever circumstance it is it can kind of feel like oh it's not my priority now I just you know kind of throw it out the window what are some ways that from your experience such as again being a mother that was a big thing for me where I'm like oh I can't make it my priority guess you know art writing whatever is not for me what are some ways that we can still like try to keep those hobbies or side jobs or just some sort of creativity in our life when we can't make it our top priority?
1: Mm. It's a good question. For me, it's very interesting, the, the idea of priorities. I would say, I think I have a, a pretty holistic view of my life and my priorities would be a harmonization in my life. So there aren't really uh, separate parts to me that I have to like uh, only concentrate on this one or that one. It all flows together. So my kids, my parenting, I could see those as separate things. My art, the business side of my art, um, the business side of writing. I could see those as separate entities, but usually to me, those are together. Um, so I had to come up with a way, and it took, it took time, and I'm still learning, uh, to make those parts of my life work together and be in rhythm and not be me cheating one of them. Otherwise, I knew I would end up like 60 years old and very unhappy with how I spent, you know, the the first chunk of my adulthood. Um, Especially with my babies being sick, that was really difficult at the time to, I mean, if your kids are, if anything's going on with your kids, it's just hard to do work. You have little babies or toddlers, it's hard to do work other than be with those babies and toddlers. But I'm still doing what I'm doing, even when I'm I'm not, and what I mean by that is, so I I I wouldn't see myself as I'm an author. That's who I am. I see my work as evidence of who I am. I see it as a reflection of who I am. Who I am is is me, and everything that I do is evidence. So I can see for myself who I am, and then have that confirmation. Um, being a parent, being a mom, isn't who I am. I'm me. And if I'd never become a mom, I'd still be me. And becoming a mom doesn't change who I am, but the action of being a mom and the work of being a mom and the creation that I'm doing, that's evidence that I get to see who I am. I I hope that I'm I'm making sense. But um, so... I'm carving. I wouldn't say carving time. I'm creating spaces for all the things that I want to do so that I can see myself. The way that I raise my kids isn't separate from how I do my art and how I do my art isn't separate from the way I raise my kids. It's all me and I'm doing all of it. So I raise my kids with the same intentionality as I write my books and I connect with my readers the same way that I raise my kids. And when I think of it that way, it all flows together. So when I'm with my kids, I don't think I'm cheating my work. And when I'm writing, I don't think I'm cheating my kids. I'm expressing myself. And doing that is going to make my kids stronger because they get to see their mom do that. And they I'm modeling for them what they need to do in their lives. I don't want them to grow up and think, you know, I have two boys, so let's say that they do grow up and marry um, two two women and they have kids. I don't want them to think my wife is a mom and that's what she is and that's what she does. I'm a dad and that's what I do. I work at this job and that's who I am. Those are reflections of the people doing them. So if I can model it for them, then they're seeing practice of someone creating evidence, and they can do that too. Um, So no matter what they end up doing, they have that ability to say, I'm not the thing I'm doing. Um, That little bit of distance between what I'm doing and who I am has helped me a lot. Because like I told you in the story, when I um, quit (laughs) and couldn't, when I quit and when I couldn't, That was devastating for me because I was so attached to the identity of being a singer. That's who I am. I am a singer. I've been singing sort of my whole life since I was two was the first time I was on stage and I cried the whole time. Uh, I was supposed to be in a choir and it didn't work out but I was up there. My parents were like, especially my daddy, he put me up there a lot on stage. So I'd been singing since I knew who I was and so to have that separated from me was really hard but it taught me I'm not that I'm me um that way when my kids have a bad day I'm not that bad day I'm me when something I get a bad review on my book it hurts but I'm not that bad review I'm not I am not an author I do author work so i can separate myself from that and it it makes it a lot easier i don't have to juggle i feel more in tune with all the parts of what i do so that's my that's my little answer <laughs>
0: I'm like literally holding back tears because like it was exactly what I needed to hear in my own life. So I really appreciate you for coming in today. And do you have any parting words before we end for today?
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say, if what you're doing the work you get to do, no matter what it is, is evidence of who you are, Um, go do it. Because you are worth the life that you're creating. You're worth it. Don't not do it. And um, I'm glad I, I did it. I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm glad I'm doing that work because I deserve to see myself the way I am. And you deserve to see yourself the way you are. Your work is just a tool to help you do that. Um, so don't put all of your identity into it, but gosh, go do it. You need you need that, I think. I wouldn't even say you need it. You deserve it. You're worth it. You're worth the work that it takes to pursue your creativity, to pursue your art, and to pursue your dream. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not because at the end of your life, whatever evidence you've made is what you're gonna have to look at. So go for it. Don't not do it. That's what I tell my people. <laughs>
0: yes. All right. And again, gonna link. All the books down below if anyone would like to check out Tess's writing. If you're looking for a fun holiday read this season, check out Tales of Christmas Villains. I had the privilege of drawing characters of the five authors involved with this anthology, including Tess here, who has a cute story about Jack Frost and a mermaid. So if that sounds interesting for you, please check out the show notes the link will be available there and thank you for listening to this episode of the success palette you could check out our social media and additional episodes over at thesuccesspalette.com and please make it a successful week